What's up, people? Welcome to our live stream. Today, we're going to be talking about does your art disappoint you? And if you would like to learn how to turn your artistic weakness into your strength, check out artprof.org where we have lots of free resources. We have critiques, tutorials, pro development, art dares, and all that cool stuff. So, Clara, why don't you get us started on the topic for today? This is a project. Well, I thought it was a project. It never went anywhere. <laughs> I had this idea a couple years ago. I wanted to do a project about aging and the way that my body was changing specifically in terms of the skin. So this is a drawing I did of my stomach. Those of you who have had kids probably understand how messed up your stomach is, the stretch marks and everything after you have a kid. And I tried it in a bunch of different ways. This was a face that was supposed to only affect the parts where I visibly started to see wrinkles. This was supposed to be a foot. It, it, it just didn't go anywhere. And Jordan, I was so disappointed because I was like, oh, this is such a good topic. So many people can relate to this. And I felt really bad because I spent some time on it. And I just never went anywhere. And that's a bar. I, I think time is one of the, the biggest things we get upset about because when, we, when we're working on something, and we spend 10, 20, 30 hours on it, and it doesn't go the way we plan. It just feels worse somehow, versus if you spend 10 minutes on something and it doesn't turn out the way you want. So yeah, it, it, there's definitely a, a curse in a sense when it comes to finding doing work that disappoints you. Tell us in the chat, who here has made artwork that has disappointed you? And tell us why it disappointed you. Because my big bummer here is that I thought I was on the cusp of some big project and I'm going to work on it for two years. It's going to be so engaging. And it just wasn't. It just went, <laughs> just lost all its steam. And I didn't even make that many drawings. I only made nine or maybe not even nine. And I felt really sad because I really like finding meaty subjects that I can really spend time with. And this just wasn't the case. Now, Jordan, Something that a lot of us have is expectations for ourselves as an artist. Why do you think we have those expectations? Uh, I think when you're trying to create artwork, you want to do a good job. You want to get other people excited about your work just to either, either view it or buy it. And if you yourself are unhappy with your results, it's hard to rec it's hard to believe that someone else will find interested in it. And I think that over time, the more you work on it, and the more disappointed you feel, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It, it constantly comes with a, a Herculean effort to overcome that. There are some artworks where I keep telling myself, you just got to have patience. You just have to spend time with it. It's going to get better. And then it's almost like the more you work on it, the worse it gets. <laughs> You're going in the opposite direction. And this is a great comment from Seven Angelic who says, feels like you drove nine hours in the wrong direction. And that's so frustrating. Think about all the gas that you wasted <laughs> driving in the wrong direction. But these expectations can be poisonous. They can make us feel rotten. And for not really a good reason, because we have to feel like we're going towards something. But really, you have to just not have expectations. How do you do that, Jordan? Um. 
<laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be totally honest with you. But I think for me, um, I just try and have as much fun as I can because the reason I got into art anyway was because I found it fun. And when I have expectations that are incredibly high, sometimes that fun just kind of gets sucked out. And so if, if I can't lower them, maybe if I just go like, you know what, I'm going to do something fun and pretend like I'm not going to show anybody, even if I plan to post it or if it's for an assignment, that usually helps me to get in the right mind space because I feel a little bit more free when I don't, uh, when I don't feel like I have those expectations on me or I trick myself into thinking that. Sometimes I go to the studio and I'm like, okay, this is the day. I'm, I'm going to make a really good piece. Of, it's going to happen. And then, you know, what inevitably happens is I'm in the studio. I'm like, oh, screw this. I hate this. Whatever. And that's when I make good work when I don't have those expectations. And so sometimes I think it's all in the mind. Mm -hmm. I think that's what most of the battle is for sure. Crispy says, I feel like everyone here as well has definitely had this for me personally. It comes down to being too ambitious for my skill level at the time. Like Jordan, do you feel like there are skills you are lacking? All the time. <laughs> there's so many. How much time do we have for the stream? Uh, <laughs> like, you know, there, there's all these things I want to learn or get better at. There are some things that I'm pretty decent at and can still improve in. Um, I don't think there's any one area that I have mastered when it comes to art, despite me being some, more proficient in some areas over others. Leslie says, I have high expectations for my work. Work can and work became paralyzing. I'm now able to get more work done now that I don't feel like I have to meet these yet. Your mindset is everything. People think being an artist is about your hand moving across the Cintiq, but it's not. It is so much about your mindset as you're going into a project and also how to sustain that mindset and to stay motivated, which I think is extremely difficult. This is a great comment from Anna. I think you should persevere with the aging series. I think it's powerful, has a lot of potential, maybe approach it in a different medium. Well, Jordan, we've got an example here of a project that started when you were, what, 15? And you spent a long time away from it and eventually came back. Yeah, Shadow Boxers uh, was a project that developed close. I was 14 when I came up with the concept. But, but these characters I did maybe about these designs are maybe three years old or something. And when I first did them, I was I was kind of frustrated by my own inability to be creative or to, to map out what I saw in my head. Um, you know, like my, like my creation was limited in a sense. And so when I did these first editions of these characters, it was, it was close, but not close enough. I didn't feel like they were succinct. They were, there's a lot of areas that I didn't like. And when I was in critique, I remember my teachers pointing out all the stuff that was wrong from A to A to Z, like all this stuff. And it was like, <sighs> fine, you know, it's so I, I really had to suck it up and, and try and learn from that, which was a big challenge for me. Well, let's see what changed, because we went from that design to this design. And oh, boy, what a difference across the board with the range of characters, with the colors, and even simple things. Like if you look at Javen in the earlier version, see how his hair changed shape? Yeah. It's, you wouldn't think that's such a big deal, but it is for character design. 
it, it really is. And, and the, the solution was just think of a more specific shape. That's what I had to do with basically all these characters. If you look at the earlier versions, some of them are very non-specific. Like Javen, I couldn't really define his hair shape if you were to ask me before. Um, you know, Kayla had like this almost elf ear at one point, and she had this. She looked like she was balding and where her braids are. <laughs> the and that always bugged me because um, you could see the the gaps in her hair. <laughs> you know, you know, like there's all these little things that just bug me. And when I tried to redo them, I was like, oh, let's adjust this. And it took me a long time to get it right. But once it started to click, that's when I started getting excited. But it really came from, I, I think the reason I was able to push forward on it so much was because I was so excited about it. And I was like, I'm going to do this for me. And it's going to be good at the end of the day. Here's a really good tip from Jane. I do try to remember that I will learn something from every piece, no matter how it turns out. I love that you brought that up, Jane, because with every artwork we make, we learn something. And sometimes what we learn is, oh my God, I never want to do that again. <laughs> Which is fine because it helps you eliminate things that maybe you thought were worth exploring, but you know, you know, that's not really where I want to go. And there's no such thing as wasted time making art because Jordan, a lot of people say to me, I spent four hours on this drawing and I hate it. I wasted four hours, but it's not wasted time actually. Yeah, I agree. I think every minute that you're you're working on it and you're being active mentally, like if you're if you're engaged in your work, let's say, and you're not totally distracted by you know something else happening to the sidelines, I think it's incredibly important. And you can learn a lot. Like the other day, I spent the entire day sketching arms and legs into trying to stylize them and just trying different things out, like seeing what angles would work and shapes and stuff like that. And it wasn't anything impressive, but I learned a lot through that process. So keeping that up over time is really going to help. Our next tip, don't picture the final product in your head. This is the kiss of death. Once you have a picture up here that says, this is what I need to get, you're bound to fail. I don't know anybody who can really say, this is what's going to look like. Oh, that's what happened because inevitably something changes. And I think a lot of people really give themselves a hard time. They say, I wanted to do this. It did not come out that way. I'm a failure. But that's also not true, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it, sometimes it's just not having the skill to do it right away. You know, sometimes the ideas are excellent, but your hand is not able to keep up with your brain seat. <laughs> and so you have to be patient with yourself in those scenarios. Michelle says, no such thing as wasting time with art. It's like golf. The entire point of golf is to play the least amount of golf. I think about athletes, how many times they mess up. All the shots that a basketball player takes, they're not going to do it every time and then be mad at themselves. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so as artists, we have to think about it that way, that every effort we make teaches us something. C. Cantrell's asking, how much do you think of art making is giving up some control? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would I would say about at least half, you know, like you want to rely on your skill and the things that you've learned, but then the other portion of it is you want 
your work to be exciting and even surprise you. Um, some some of you guys may have heard how writers talk about them writing their stories, and they'll say this character did something that surprised me, and it always confused me because I was like, "You're writing the story, can't? Aren't you the one making the decision for them?" And in reality, it's not always that cut and dry. Sometimes you gotta let your work speak for itself and, and let new things come in. Crosby has a great point. Some of my best ideas have come from mistakes. Same here. Sometimes, oh my gosh, I spilled the ink on this. And then I look at the shape and I go, you know what, that actually looks pretty good. So I'm going to run with that. And so those mistakes are not necessarily mistakes. I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes you want to cry because you walked on, your kid walked on the drawing or something <laughs> like that really stinks. But there are other things that I really think are not such a big deal. So Jay Tagera says, I think inspiration and judgment are different. Suspending judgment for a while is helpful. I put some things away and I see them so differently later. Yes. When I'm working on a drawing, if I let myself judge it, I'm in big trouble because mm -hmm. my judgment's clouded. Yeah. I think anytime you, you have a big project or something that you're really excited to, uh, to work on, you want to withhold judgment for at least like a day you know, let yourself step away from it, go experience some different things, go sit down, read a book, watch a movie, whatever, and then look at it with fresh eyes because you are so attached to it. And it, even if someone makes a really good suggestion, it's often hard to separate yourself from that criticism, uh, even if it is helpful. Now, Jordan, I believe you did these in art school? Yeah, that was in my final semester at RISD, if I remember correctly. Um, and I was trying to start doing environment uh, art and I struggled so much with these because I wasn't able to get to the level that I wanted and I couldn't get to like the other concept arts I was inspired by. Um, and I was teaching myself a lot because when I was when I was an undergrad, no one really sat down and like explained how environment concept art worked. And so I was just taking big guesses. Um, I haven't seen these in years, by the way. <laughs> uh, Carolyn says, how do you create without having an idea of what you wanted to be? I don't know how to not have the end product in mind other than acrylic pores. So I can let go and enjoy the randomness there. I think consider your goal as an approximation. Well, I wanted to have these qualities. I want to play with color and I would like the characters to really have an emotional impact. Those are sort of abstract concepts as opposed to saying, I want to draw like Kim Jong-gi, <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah. Once you start visualizing that specifically, that's when you get into trouble. Like Jordan, looking at these, if you were to set goals for yourself today, how would you set goals for these landscape paintings? Um, I would, I would, oh, that's a good question. I think I would probably just want to make sure I had like at bare minimum strong compositions and unique colors like those were the things I really wanted to get better at when I was doing this if I remember correctly and uh, that's what I would want to improve on and, and as far as how to I, I really agree with what you said about approximating like if you think about relationships for example you can't predict everything that's going to happen between two people Right. But you could have guesses like, hey, we're going to establish this type of family setup and we're going to live here and do this. But not everything is going to be predicted. That's the same way with art. You know, you have to let some freedom come in. 
Charity says, I've been trying to lightly distract myself from my thoughts when I work in my art by putting on podcasts and stuff. It honestly makes me work a lot better because I'm less in my head about failing. If you guys can turn off your brain, oh my gosh, it's the best thing when you're working. And I do the same thing. I'll listen to NPR, National Public Radio. Then I'm focused on the conversation there because I don't know about you, Jordan, but I ruminate a lot, much more than is healthy. And the more you can not ruminate, the better. Oh, yeah. It, it happens to me all the time. I actually realize I have to listen to music. It's an ongoing joke um, with me and my friends. And some people on my live streams when I go on, like, I have to have music or I have to have something in the background because if I'm in my thoughts too much, it just gets worse. And I start not even double or second guessing myself. I start like quadruple guessing and it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. All right. So our advice let your art surprise you. Because I've had so many pieces where I say to myself, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this is what I'm going to address. And then by the time I'm done, I'm like, this is not what I set out to do. But I sort of like it. Have you ever had that situation, Jordan? I'm sure I have. I'm trying to think of a very specific moment where that has happened. Um, I think... I, you know, with some of my character designs, with Aletha's design in particular, that happened. I was I was just trying something new, and uh, like with with shape language and colors and everything. And I was at the end of it, I was like, "Oh, this is neat! Look at that!" <laughs> so I, I I very much enjoyed that process. And again, it just comes from kind of letting go. Thank you so much to Crosby, who says, thanks for giving me something to listen to while I finish up my shift at work. And we also have a super sticker from RB Dick. Thank you both so much for supporting us. Keep those super stickers coming because boy, does it add up for us. It's really, really helpful. I think that when you are willing to not be yourself for a little bit as an artist, you start to really open up the possibilities. Because if you always say to yourself, this is the result I want, you're not going to explore very much. You're not going to try something. And sometimes I've gotten really good results where I say, I'm just going to try this. Let's just see. And sometimes it bombs. And other times I go, whoa, that was cool. And that's a good thing. And sometimes the first experiments bomb and then you get better. Like this was a project that I did. It didn't last very long about, sorry, this is a little bit gross, but I have major gum problems and I find them a little bit traumatizing. <laughs> and so I have all these things about cleanings at the periodontist that really stress me out. And so I want to do some drawings about that. So I did this drawing and I did pen with cross hatching. I did some brush pen over it, but I don't know. It just looked really cartoony to me. And I felt like it was a little bit too horror movie and I, I didn't want that result. But after I did this piece, I did this piece and I was very happy with this piece. And you can see how different it is. And so I feel like if I hadn't eliminated that technique, I would not have gotten here. And you can just work towards something. Not every piece has to be standalone. You can say this piece is a anchor that I figured out and now I'm going to push away from it and do something better. You know, I think a lot of times what happens in life and in, in artwork is we, 
we tend to be afraid of making those mistakes and afraid of failure. But those are the things that help propel us forward. Um, like you gave an example earlier in the stream about basketball players and something I found out recently. Kobe Bryant, one of the most celebrated players of all time, also has the record for the most missed shots in the NBA. Do you know that? I love it. <laughs> like, no, I didn't. It, it's so cool to me because it says a lot about the tenacity and the grit that you have to have to improve, but also you can't be afraid of missing the mark every once in a while, or in his case, a lot of time. <laughs> but he's also one of the top scorers in the history of the game. So, you know, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Not bad. <laughs> Bond Links says I've made so much process progress since I intentionally stopped trying to copy my reference exactly. I'm so convinced that if you're going to use a reference photo, the further away you can get from the reference, the more you will experiment, the more you will get a result that really feels like your own. Because Jordan, I think a lot of people, when they're using reference photos, sometimes you almost feel like you're being held hostage by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the common statements in, uh, in art school for me was don't be a slave to your reference. And what I had to learn to do was actually isolate the element of the reference that I liked. Um, so I would have mood boards, I'd set up all these images and I go like, I just like the pattern on that person's cloak, you know, and I really get down to exactly what I liked about it. And it helped me stray away from the reference. And also it helped me to be more creative because let's say it is that pattern. Can I change it in a way to make it my own, but still have similar elements, you know? So that's just one example of a million things that you can do. Great point from Ginger, who says, I let myself do whatever with the art dares. I'm always so surprised and happy with them. The monthly art dares, I think about them almost as a creative vacation because we have such different prompts. And for some people, that time period of one month to do that prompt, it's a little kick in the butt. And Jordan, we have to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, again, it's, it's the only thing that's going to help you grow. If you're constantly stuck in the same circle all the time, whether it's with the people you know, or with the work that you do, or art, or just living in the same place, it's going to be hard to have those experiences, which is why I think we're attracted to stories that people, where people go all the way across the world and go on this big adventure because they're experiencing new things. Um, and you'll, and I think you'll be the better for it if you ex try and work on those intentionally. Here's a very specific tip that has helped me. Let's say you hit rock bottom. <laughs> I hate this drawing. It stinks. Give it one more hour because I've had pieces turn around after I gave it one more hour. Because let's face it, Jordan, if you make a drawing and you think it stinks, you only can go up. <laughs> and then if it stays there, you say, well, nothing has changed. But that one hour, it could be the difference. Yeah, it, especially if you if you can let go of the frustration sometimes, because <laughs> sometimes being mad clouds your judgment. But you have no me you have no idea how many times I was in art school and I was just like, if I had one more hour to work on this, this would have been an A level piece, you know, or I would have been able to resolve this or this. Um, and it's hard; it's very very hard. But sometimes you do need that extra time just to let things settle a bit more. Davis says, I recognize I'll never be able to create the mental image I've created exactly. Recognizing that the physical thing I create is different is kind of beautiful in itself. 
I think the only way to get precisely <laughs> what you want in your ad is if you say, I want it to look exactly like this photograph and I'm gonna make it look just like that. But there's not a lot of creativity there. And yeah. so I think thinking about the artwork as something that exists separately from what's in your head, from what's in the reference photo, it's almost like you're, I don't know, giving birth <laughs> to the artwork and it, it comes out the way it comes out. I mean, a lot of people have a lot of expectations about how their pregnancy is gonna go. And it never is <laughs> what you think it's gonna go. There's always a surprise and maybe that's not such a bad thing sometimes. It depends on the situation, obviously. We have a comment here from Jennifer who says, when I was a kid, I used to feel like I always overdid my work and quote, ruined it. So I started to train myself to stop sooner. Lately, I've been working to unlearn that. Oh my gosh, knowing when to stop so hard. Usually I rely on the deadline. <laughs> That's, you know, people ask all the time, like, when do you know it's done? They're like the deadline or, <laughs> you know, like when I'm just tired of it, um, you know, actually, I remember a Michael Jackson quote, he said, I'm frustrated by limitations of my own imagination uh, when talking about his songs. And he has some of the best song albums of all time, but even he was struggling <laughs> with that balance of knowing when to let things go. Um, and, and quite honestly, I don't know if that will, any of us will ever reach that place where everything is absolutely perfect because the, the imperfections are what make life beautiful in a lot of ways. Jane says, I love having the deadline. Even if I don't finish it during the month, I usually get a big start and momentum to finish it later. I think a lot of this is about your workflow because every time we make an artwork, there are certain stopping points because you needed to pee or whatever. And I think that sometimes when we get that push, that's all we need. Once you're on the treadmill, you're on it. I mean, I guess you could turn it off, but most of us keep going, at least for few more minutes and sometimes those deadlines are extremely motivating i know sometimes they're stressful of course but they can also get us off our butt which is helpful janet says sometimes i feel disappointed with my lack of creativity lately i've been struggling with composition i tried to do thumbnails but after i finished my piece i feel like i could have done better jordan you ever feel like you could have done better <laughs> Like every piece I've ever done in my life, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think, oh my gosh, this one here. Oh, this is torture this semester. Oh, geez. Well, okay, let me finish the answer the question. Uh, I, I often feel like um, like I could have done better. And I, I think, again, it goes back to the mentality. Because a lot of times we psych ourselves out, you know, um, like, you know, you have the ability or the capability to draw something or paint something. But because you're so worried about it being perfect or impressing people on Instagram or TikTok or whatever mental drama you're going through, we often uh, hinder our work. And uh, you know that, that's why I think it's so important for artists to kind of get, uh, be okay with making those mistakes and experimenting and stuff. Jordan, when I look at my work, all I see are mistakes. I feel that way about our videos. I should have done this. Why didn't I add this slide? That's pretty much a given. And so don't think about that as I messed up, but rather, oh, next time I'm going to do this. Next time I'm going to fix that. Because, oh dear, if you watch our old videos, <laughs> there's a lot of things we've changed and we've changed them because they didn't work well. And you don't learn that until you actually make that mistake. 
Thank you so much, Anna, for the super sticker who says, if your art stops surprising you, that's when you know you're in trouble. And Anna also adds here, there's a point in every painting where I hate it, want to defenestrate the thing, throw it out the window, but I know it's a good thing because it means I'm growing and exploring. Jordan, when you're working on an artwork, are you liking it every step of the way? <laughs> there's always an ugly phase. It's, it, you know, you know what I'm starting to think about? A lot with it is it's like puberty in a lot of in a lot in a big a lot of people don't like going through puberty i know i didn't you know everything's just changing stuff's out of proportion you know yeah especially for guys voice cracks all the time you yeah. know like there's all these really uncomfortable <laughs> situations and that's the same with artwork but once you get there once you improve like there's always that that glow up stage right and that's when uh, that's when things get real fun you're like i need to post this this one's going on the gram <laughs> Great question from Mott's Feather. Does being an art teacher make you more critical of your own work? Well, Jordan, you just started teaching a class at your graduate school. Do you think you are more critical of your own work? I think it, uh, I remember a lot more. I remember a lot of the details I, uh, that sometimes kind of get passed on. Like it sometimes goes away, uh, a lot of things we've learned. But I actually find I'm a lot more kind with myself because. I know that the students are constantly stressed because I've been there so many times and I know that they're worried about all these other classes and stuff in their personal life. And I find it much easier to be um, not not easy on them per se, but understanding and, and merciful in a sense um, and go like, you know what, you can do this. There's not a single line that you're un incapable of drawing. You just have to learn how to get past that place. So I find myself actually being more kind to myself as, as I work and, and teach. I don't think I'm more critical. I think that I remind myself of things more because there's a lot of things I know I should do, but sometimes you're drawing, you forget. And I sometimes think to myself, okay, what are the things that I'm always bothering students about? And wow, I'm going to be such a hypocrite if I don't do some of those things myself. And the other thing is I've had days where I hate my work. I'm complaining like crazy to my husband. And he always says to me, well, if a student said that to you, what would you say to them? And I say, oh, I tell them this, this, and this. He's like, okay, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is very frustrating because I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Our goals, they're important. I think everybody here has goals. Tell us in the chat, what's your goal as an artist? But they can make us crazy. Yeah, goals are... Uh... <laughs> You want to be, you want to, I think it's good for people to have goals, but I also think you need to allow yourself to be free and not be so tied down that it makes you lose your mind. There's a fine line between that, <laughs> between highly ambitious and take a chill pill, you know? And I do this thing the other day, I wrote down a list of this is real success because <laughs> there's different tiers of success. But I was like, if I win a grant, if I get interviewed by Ari Shapiro on national public radio, that is real success. And some of those feel a little ridiculous to me, but it's okay to have them. But in some ways, because they do feel so out of reach, it's easy for me to put them out of my mind. So I think it's sort of the short-term goals that feel like close, like I'm almost there. Those are the ones that make you a little bit nuts. And so I would recommend have those goals on the back burner. Don't keep them in front of your face because that's when they can really drive you up the wall. Yeah. I, Elena uh, says, you go. 
Oh, I was going to say, I think if, if when it comes to goals, it's important to have the ones that you set for yourself be something you can control. Like, um, like if, if I have a big goal, I want to be able to control every aspect of it. You, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to have all these goals that are unreachable. Like this person is going to reach out to me and being in this company or this dude, like, no, work on yourself. What can you do? So that's all I was going to say. Take actions into your own hands. Because for me, what was very frustrating when I was exhibiting a lot was always feeling like I was waiting for someone else's approval. And that's what makes the goal so frustrating because if only they would pick me, but go and do your own thing. And then we've seen a lot of people online who have started there on their own and then made it somewhere else, got picked up by an animation studio or publishing house. So that's fine. Elena says, I did a big painting of a storm in a boat. And when I finished it, I liked the initial sketch better. <laughs> so sad. Why do you think that happens, Jordan? Because I've said that to students in class and I know it really bums them out. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of it is because when we work on the final piece, we stiffen up. Like, I don't know if anyone here has played the game Operation, but it's a game where you're basically like taking out these little uh, illnesses from this man. If you hit the, if you hit the edge of it, with the tweezers, it just goes like, eh, you know, it beeps at you. And it's kind of like that, you know, where we're, we're so focused on getting it to look pretty and be this magnificent 40 foot by 80 foot painting that everyone's going to just flock to from all over the world. And we stiffen up. And, and I think that that is, again, it's a mental thing. It's not so much the size of the canvas that you can't work on, or even that your skill's not there. It's a mental issue or uh, concern, I would say. Well, I think because we say, this is it, this is the performance. And I'm sure you notice those figure skaters in the Olympics, they can do those jumps fine. But once they get to the competition, they freeze up for good reason. Oh my gosh, I would be so stressed out. And that's okay. But I think you can say to yourself, okay, well, why is the sketch better? What are the qualities in the sketch that I like more than the final. Maybe the sketch had more gesture. Maybe the marks were better. Because Jordan, I've seen students draw one way in the sketch and then totally take a different approach for the final. And that can be hard because you're not making much of a connection between the two, which I think can be difficult. Now, Jordan, this is a project I did a long time ago. And I did these monotypes. They were printed on very translucent, almost silk-like fabrics. And I was like, ooh, I'm printing on fabric. I'm so cool, I'm not using paper. And they just never went anywhere. And I had all these expectations because I was gonna make it into like some big installation. It was gonna cover the wall. And I, I just feel really meh about them. Like, I don't hate them. I don't like them. They just feel really mediocre. And sometimes mediocrity is worse <laughs> than falling on your face. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I always believe that when critique, I would rather get a bunch of negative uh, comments <laughs> or a bunch of negative comments. I'm sorry, or positive comments, but being in the middle and not receiving any comments whatsoever and people just going like, eh, it's okay. It's always the worst. It's always the worst. <laughs> I always felt bad for students during critiques when 
people just didn't have a lot to say and it was just crickets. And that feels worse because at least if you're getting a lot of criticism, people are engaging. And sometimes the hardest thing is just feeling invisible. Who here, based on social media or online stuff, has had that? Crickets. Like Jordan, I'm sure on Instagram, you have probably posted pieces where you just don't get anything. You get a couple likes, but there's yeah. no comments. Like, how does that feel? Oh, it feels awful. It feels like I failed. <laughs> it, it's just, um, you know, but again, that, that goes back to having goals that you can control or you can't control. Like, I can't control who comments on Instagram or how many people see it because the algorithm decides to not be my friend on that day. Um, and so I have to try to get out of that mindset, but it doesn't feel good when I don't receive any comments. I, I will say that. Here's another tip on goals. Don't base it on another artist's artwork. That's hard to do because you can look at an artist. For example, this is an artist. I don't know how to say the it, name. Chen Hapchi, I'll help you. <laughs> Good. And Jordan, if you look at this work and say, I love this. I want to be like this person. You're in big trouble once you set that as a goal. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't put an image of like his sketchy stuff this is more clean and finished but some of the lines that he does are so random that you can't possibly replicate it and it gets frustrating when you're trying to like study his style and um you, at a certain point you just have to go what are the things that i can absorb from this and then just move on and realize i'm not the same person i have different experiences i have different interests and likes and you know maybe he holds the pencil differently like whatever it, it just it's different and um, but for that reason, it, you can also succeed just as much as your fav other favorite arts because you are different and people will come to you because you deliver something that no one else can. And I think another problem when you look at these artists that you love, like William Kentridge, oh, I love William Kentridge. I'm like he does animation, he's a charcoal drawer, he does prints, he did work for this magic flute opera. Oh my God, it just makes me want to cry. I'm like, I'm so boring compared to William Kentridge. And so one thing I do recommend to people is, listen, there's a time and a place to look at your idols. And oftentimes it's not when you're drawing. Like if I'm making a portrait, a charcoal drawing, and I go, oh, I need some inspiration. I need to look at William Kentridge. And I look at, I'm like, I suck. I suck so bad. And so you don't always have to look at your idols. I know it's sort of hard on Instagram because you follow people you really like, but you can say, you know what, for these three days, I'm not going to look at any other artists. It's just me. And that is not selfish, Jordan. Yeah, I think I actually was thinking about this the other day. Like I need to, I, I've been thinking about taking a social media break in the sense of me not spending time on it scrolling, you know, yeah. I don't, you know, fully take in everyone else's influence because it's like chasing the, the carrot on a stick. You're, you're always running and running and running. But it's, oftentimes, if you keep looking at it, you're never going to reach that. And you'll never find that place that makes your work stand out. Here's another point from Annette. There's the crickets. But this drives me crazy. It always seems to be on the pieces I'm most proud of that Manette doesn't get a lot of reaction. I oftentimes post fan art just because I know it'll get me more engagement. Oh my gosh, Jordan. We have videos here that I have spent, no exaggeration, 30 hours editing. 
and then there was a shoot and it was complicated and I had to look around all this stuff and it will get a small percentage of a live stream we threw together in 30 minutes and it just makes me want to cry. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened to me. I've done some fan art, like some, I, the, I think the most liked image on my Instagram page is a painting study I did of a legend of Korra background. And it got like a couple hundred, like 600 likes or something like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. I post my own characters. It's like 58. <laughs> and you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things, again, you cannot predict, but it doesn't make your work any more uh, terrible or any less great or whatever. It's just things you can't control. Um, so that's why I think we have to feel fulfilled as ours in ourselves before really trying to seek too much validation from others. Great tip from Bond Links. I've had to unfollow artists that are too similar to what I want to do because it stresses me out. And Heather also says, I feel so much better after I unfollowed almost all the established artists in my feed on Instagram. You know something? I don't follow any of my idols. Like you all said, it just makes me feel like crap about myself. So maybe it's time to unfollow a bunch of artists. And then when you think, oh, I want to look at their work, you just go to their profile. Because it's showing up in your feed all the time, I think does stress people out quite a bit. I hope some of you will consider registering for our upcoming premium workshop. Our premium workshops, it's one day, three hours with me. You get to draw and get critiques and ongoing advice. This workshop is figure drawing, doing gestures. Registration is due this Friday. And if you guys want to sign up, you better do it quick. We only have a few spots left. And I just ran my first one this Saturday on gestural portraits, and we had so much fun. It was fantastic. And we do have a sample recording of what one of these workshops is like. So you can take a look at that if you want to get more information. What's going on today, later? Today, as some of you guys may know, I'll be doing a live stream at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 9 p.m. Eastern. I'll be doing some more character design for Shadow Boxers. And I hope to see you all there. Join Jordan and I right after the stream. We will be in the post live stream stage channel in the Discord. And our stage sessions are where you can talk to Jordan and I on voice. We love hearing voices from the community. You don't have to chat. You can just hang out. But please join us for that. There are many ways you can support Art Prof. You can give a super sticker like Amanda. Thank you. Or you can become a monthly Patreon supporter. You get so many perks and exclusive content that we typically don't share. You can purchase an artist call, get customized support and feedback on your work. And this is new. We have an artist doc editing service. If you need help with your artist resume, a cover letter, your artist statement for a grant application, and our top Patreon supporters who are still our absolute top portion of our budget. You are all so important. And Jordan, I'm sad because we had a nice bump last week and it went, <laughs> this week we lost $107. And I'm like, no, can't I just like ride the wave of going up for longer than two weeks? So we need your help with this Patreon goal, because like I said, this is our budget, the Patreon supporters. Remember, Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time.
Bye.